Welcome back to Horse Talk. Dr. Tinko is in the studio with us today. It's been a little while. Uh, spring is busy for equine practitioners. Talk about new foal exams, and it is ironic that as we started our recording, we got a call for a new foal that was born last night at midnight. We're going to go out and check that foal today, but we just kind of want it to talk through some of the basics of gestation in the foal and foaling, how the foaling occurs and like when to worry. We had someone call in this weekend too and you know they were describing stage one labor. Um, we're really nervous about that. So let's just kind of go through Dr. Tim Coe, like how long is a mare pregnant for? Yeah, so the average gestation for a mare is about 11 months, 340 days, kind of plus or minus 20 days for that mare. And the plus or minus 20 days is important. They can go to 360, no mm -hmm. problem. And we never really want to induce them. Yeah, right? yeah, they, that foal is not ready until it's ready. Yeah, until mom says it's ready. 320 gets a little nerve wracking, right? They can be a little more issues, right, when they're premature. What's the youngest foal you've saved in the hospital? A lot of those ones that come in, sometimes we don't know their exact breeding date, probably somewhere around 310 to 320. So we can save them, but they're sick. They have a lot of a lot of work that needs to be done and a lot of money that needs to be spent on them. Yeah, it's an ICU for little foals. We are looking, so we're talking to a client on the phone and they're like, oh my God, my horse is in labor. What are some signs we're gonna talk to them over the phone about to look for? Yeah, so there's basically three main parts of labor for the mare, and stage one is really just those behavioral changes. That can last from like just a couple hours, a couple minutes before the mare's ready to foal, to even up to a few days, and sometimes that can just look like restlessness, and even some colic signs like pawing or getting up and down. And do we think the foal is trying to position itself correctly? Is that why she's uncomfortable? or Possibly, or just, you know, getting, getting ready and feeling some of those changes and yeah. getting a little bit uncomfortable. Their pelvic girdle enlarges mm -hmm. and then the vagina lengthens. So they're getting ready and their tail head gets soft. You might even see some excretions from their udder called like waxing. So these kind of waxy secretions um, kind of come from their teats right before they're about to fold. And so speaking of the milk, you can do a pH test, mm -hmm. right, on the milk. Clients can get pH strips Mm -hmm. cheap on Amazon, right? pH so what, strips and sometimes calcium strips yeah. can also help gauge when that, that mare is ready to fold. So they're looking for a drop in pH. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in the hospital, we do fancy ionized calcium ratios and stuff, and we can get it a little more specific than a pH drop, because not all mares will have a pH drop. Um, but yeah, so you can, so people that are in the breeding industry know about this or should mm -hmm. have these strips at home so that they can probably be around. Some people also put a full alert into the mare. It's a little alarm, basically, right? That Sutured right into the vulva, and then when that mare is foaling, it rings a little alarm to your cell phone or wherever it is supposed to go, and that way you know that that mare's about to foal and you can be present for the foaling. Yeah, I put a lot of those in in Ocala, in the thoroughbred farms. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty good because if you have a mare that you're worried about, you want to be there for that foaling. And, there, you know, I think the upfront cost is couple thousand yeah I don't think they're they're cheap and yeah. I think some places rent them out as okay. well yeah we don't have any rentals mm -hmm. but they're not disposable you no. just have to they're sewed into her it's a magnet right so once her vulva lips 
braid enough, right, then the magnet goes mm -hmm. off and senses and sells the phone. Okay, so stage two, this is gonna be more important. We shouldn't be waiting a long time with stage two, right? Yeah. yeah, so stage one can last a little while. Stage two, the beginning of that is when they break their water. So rupture of that chorioallantoic membrane, you might see some fluid come out. And then once that has happened, the full needs to come out within 15 to 30 minutes. That's really short time period. Yeah, you yeah. don't have much time or else that full is not getting adequate um, oxygenation. Now, is that because of the way its umbilicus is set up or it's once, different than most other species? Yeah, yeah, once the placenta has kind of separated from the mare, then they're not really getting that oxygen mm -hmm. to, to their body that they need. So okay. they have a very brief amount of time to get out and be able to breathe on their own out. Yeah, okay. Because, like, cattle can take days, I think. Yeah, cattle just don't just get yeah. three hours a day. <laughs> and the cows, the little calf's still alive still afterwards. Okay. He's like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. I might be brain dead, but I'm good. Full 20 minutes. 20 minutes. You see the water break in 30 minutes. If you don't start seeing the mare trying movement-wise, probably should call somebody. Yeah, right? there's, there's probably a problem. The foal might be malaligned, not in the right position, and, and having a hard time coming out. Once the foal is born, what are the, some of the complications like leading up to? So once we see the rupture of the water, the chorionalentoas, right? What are some issues that we could, like, why isn't it happening? Yeah, so sometimes, you know, the, the position that the foal should be in is kind of like this diving position. So you should see a nose and two front feet. Sometimes that neck can be twisted back or they can be kind of in reverse position. And if they're not in the correct position, then they might not be able to come out easily. Other things that can happen are kind of this premature separation of the placenta. Instead of seeing this white allantoic membrane, you're gonna see like this red feathery placenta and not see parts of the foal. And that is premature separation of the placenta and the foal has not broken through and that is uh, an emergency that needs to be taken care of quickly. So colloquially, we call that a red bag? Red bag delivery, yep. So if a client sees that, what do they need to do? They need to grab something sharp, <laughs> anything that's close, and cut that, um, that placenta open and deliver that full as soon as possible. Yeah, we need the full to be able to breathe, right? Mm -hmm. He's suffocating. If that mare's water breaks and you're not seeing progression or you're seeing this red placenta, then those are some of the main complications of why why the foal can't come out. And that goes back to the importance of putting in a foal alert mm -hmm. so you and know the there. exact timing and being there to assist with the delivery of the foal. The incorrect position, like that is not something that most veterinarians on the farm can fix. Yeah, a lot of times we need that mare to be dropped under general anesthesia and supported and, and be able to manipulate that foal. Um, so that is an emergency that often necessitates coming into the hospital. We do, so when the mare comes in, we anesthetize them and we kind of hang them like their feet. We put their feet up with a winch. It changes the angle, right? Mm -hmm. So we can work in the uterus and all the intestines go forward so we have more room to work. So doing a dystocia standing in a mare is almost impossible. Like yeah. maybe you get a leg, but you can cause a lot of damage too. Yeah, when they come in here for that, maybe you try while everyone's getting anesthesia ready. And then once that's ready, we don't really mess around and just go ahead and drop them. Yep, drop them and pick them up. People ask us, we have a lot of mares and foals this year, it seems like. and they ask us about like what to do in an emergency. So what do you what do you like to tell them? Have your truck and trailer attached and ready before that foal is even 
born or close to being born because if there's a if there's a problem with foaling you want to get to the hospital as soon as possible and not waste time in having us come out because there's a lag time between us being able to get there and that's really valuable time that could save that foal's life by loading the mare up and getting it to the hospital sooner yeah that's the same advice i give to the clients mm -hmm. your truck and trailer ready gassed up dieseled up ready to go yeah we walk that mare on the trailer and go because you know i've had one mare where, who didn't make it we had to euthanize her on the farm she she pushed for too long couldn't mm -hmm. get up got obturated nerve paralysis and you know but if we was able to get her on the trailer sooner yeah we could at least take her to the hospital and maybe save the foal, but yeah. maybe save the mare. So you don't want to mess around with these. These are true emergencies, and any clinic is going to take some amount of time to get to you. I mean, maybe if you're in a small rural area and you're like your vet lives next to you, yeah. uh, but I don't think that's very common anymore. Like we talked about, we have this kind of 20, 30-minute time period. You know, most of our farms are 30 minutes to an hour from us. So we're not going to make it there in time. Tertiary care center on speed dial, you call them, you tell them you're coming in, and they'll activate the dystocia mm -hmm. team. and. If you're a half hour away, our employees are probably a half hour away, and we'll be ready to see you um, rather than having a vet drive to you a half hour and then you drive another half hour back, you're at 60 minutes, yeah. the foal's probably dead, and the mare's gonna start getting sick. Especially in the wintertime when like the, you have these February babies, and like, oh, my trailer's frozen in and yeah. iced. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's unfortunate. You should uh, have, your, have, it ready. <laughs> have it ready to go. Uh, I think that's good for timing. Let's talk about some of the more normal things that we expect. Baby's born normally, comes out. What should the client be looking for um, for when it's trying to stand or nurse? That baby, within a few minutes, should already start you know, moving around a little bit, trying to right itself and sit up in sternal. Um, within you know, 30 minutes, most of them are going to already have a suckle reflex and start to kind of suckle on things even though they're not standing yet. Usually within about an hour or two, those foals are standing. They should at least be making attempts to stand by an hour. Sometimes the colts are a little bit slower at standing than the fillies and they may take two hours to stand, but they should be making those attempts. And then once they're up within that second to third hour, they should be latching on and successfully nursing, hopefully. Do we know why the boy horses are slower? No, they no. just seem to be. I think they're just probably lazy. <laughs> yeah, like, you yeah, have to remind them that they yeah. need to get up yeah. and do something. Yeah, it might say something for, <laughs> I think Gelding's gonna be like that too, yeah. right? They get up, it's important to watch where they're going to nurse, right? Because sometimes I see them go to the elbow mm -hmm. and you kind of have to redirect them and then if they keep going for the elbow, like there might be something wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, they should, I mean, it's instinct. They should kind of bump around and find the right spot within that first hour to two hours of, of being up. If they're not, then that could indicate that there's a, a potential problem. Um, some things that could prevent them from doing that is if it's a mare that doesn't really want the foal back there, if they're trying to kick or squeal, that could kind of deter the foal from really yeah. making good attempts at nursing. Maybe more maiden mares are like that? Yeah, they don't, it's the first time this has ever happened to them. They don't really know what's going on. Yeah. They can be a little bit upset about it. Reminder to be there for the foaling. Mm -hmm. So you can, if the mare's starting to do that, you can hold the mare, maybe twitch the mare or do something to try Some to. Some mares need sedation for yeah. the first couple hours of the fold nursing. If they don't bond, we can try to chemically bond them, mm -hmm. but that's, um, we don't do that. I'm not sure how successful that is. Yeah, I think I've had 
maybe one or two that were successful at first, but it didn't last. The marriage just doesn't have the right hormones yeah. to want to be a mom. So yeah. <laughs> she wants to leave the scene of the crime. Placenta, though, right? That's, mm -hmm. again, different than cattle. Cattle can have placentas attached to them for, I don't know, weeks. I mean, they get a metritis, but they don't They're get sick. They're still okay. They're still okay. <laughs> cattle are tough. Horses, not so much, right? Yeah, that placenta, that kind of ends labor when that placenta has been passed, and it should really pass within three hours, or else we consider this a retained placenta, which is a medical emergency for the mare. Can we handle retained placentas on the farm? We can up to a certain point, but they do get sick pretty quick. They aren't passing that placenta and they're showing signs of systemic illness. That is another reason to come into the hospital for more intensive management. Septic pretty quick, right? Yep, and laminitis and very, very sick from that. Tell me of mares that come into our hospital. Usually, I don't know the percent they go home, but they're sick. They are. Yeah, like toxic lines. And it happens really, quick. Really quick. And that's why. But you don't want to pull the placenta out, right? No, it is attached. If you pull, it will probably rip and then leave parts of the placenta in the mare still, which is basically the same thing still as having a retained placenta. It's just going to rot inside a mm -hmm. uterus and make her sick. And make it harder to get out in yeah. the long run. Uh, people can tie it up, though. Yeah. yeah, you don't want her, if it's kind of dragging, to accidentally step on it and rip it. So you can kind of tie it up to the hawks with baling twine. Let that gravity kind of work on traction. But if by three hours it's not out, your veterinarian should know to advise you whether or not that's something that can be handled on the farm or should go in. I'll sometimes go out and give them some calcium and mm -hmm. oxytocin and see if we get them to expel it. But after that, I... You yeah. have to come into the hospital, especially the laminitis. Yeah, a lot of these mares need to be on IV medications for a couple days. The placenta. Sometimes the horses eat the placenta, I think. Yeah, right? or yeah. dogs or, or dogs, <laughs> other yeah. animals around. Other animals eat it, so cattle eat it a lot yeah. out in the yeah. field. So Another reason to be there for the full length so yeah. you can take the placenta and, yeah. and evaluate that. Because yeah, we need to see if there's any holes or pieces mm -hmm. left behind in the horns. Because uh, a mare has two horns and one uterine body. And the foal usually lives in one horn as a non-gravid horn, and we have to make sure that all the parts. Yeah, uh, so save your placenta, and we'll look at it at that new foal exam and make sure it's all intact. And don't let the dog eat it. Yeah. It's pretty, I can't imagine the dog vomiting up placenta bits. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to pick that up. It's pretty, pretty gross. People eat the placenta. People do a lot of weird stuff. I talked to my friend who's an OB, because Dr. Rice and I talked about this at some point, and I guess women get it encapsulated and then they take the capsules but the american um OBGYN society says it's bad because it has a ton of estrogen and it leads to increased bleeding tendencies so people are weird she practices in colorado so maybe it's a little different demographic out there i guess i've asked her about that because you know animals do it to hide yeah. it from the fox but people mm, you have a forebrain you should probably think a little more i've had clients like well doc why do you have to come out and look at my foal it looks healthy but there's so much more that they could be missing, right? Yeah, that new full exam is not really something that you can miss. It's a very important thing. You know, we go out, do a good physical exam, make sure their vital parameters are within normal limits. Many foals might have a heart murmur, which is normal at first, but if that doesn't go away within a few days, we need to know, you know, that they had one and then be able to recheck to make sure that goes away. And the heart murmur is a PDA, right? Mm -hmm. And why do they have a PDA for our vet students that might be listening? <laughs> so it's part of that fetal maternal um, circulation. So when they're in 
in the mayor that is part of that circulation and that needs to close up whenever they're they're born yeah it bypasses the lungs right mm -hmm. they don't need their lungs aren't uh, insulating first doing their check they might have one but that should go away within about 24 to 72 hours and then other things that we're kind of checking are their umbilicus uh, checking for umbilical hernias their limbs for angular or flexural limb deformities and one of the most important things is drawing blood and checking an IgG level. So what is an IgG? Foals are pretty much born without much of an immune system. They have all the components there to gear up, but they have not really acquired any sort of antibodies from the, the dam while they were in utero. So in order for them to get a competent immune system, they have to nurse and the mare has to have adequate and good colostrum for them to ingest and absorb these immunoglobulins that give them this immune system to fight off all of these viral bacterial antigens in their environment. Because their placenta is unique, right? They don't share much blood with yeah, the Yeah, it's a, many layers to their placenta, so these immunoglobulins aren't diffusing through into the foal while they're in the uterus. They don't get many antibodies from the mare, so they need it from in the milk. If the mare has been leaking milk for a long time, they might have low ones. And some mares just don't make good colostrum. And yeah. you don't you don't know, right? You can't yeah. just measure the mare's milk. It doesn't correlate. Older mares or maiden mares mm -hmm. may not produce adequate colostrum at the time of, of birth. So um, it's really important that we check that IgG to see if they acquired it. Even if they did produce really good colostrum, that foal might have something going on with it that it didn't absorb it correctly. So there's many reasons that um, a foal could have a low IgG. Yeah, your, your dummy foal just didn't nurse correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the IgG, we can test it on the farm. We have mm -hmm. on-farm tests, and then we can test it in the hospital. And there's some difference in the sensitivity, but not much, right? Yeah, so our on-farm tests, they kind of give us an idea of where these IgG levels are. and. Um, there's been a lot of research looking into that number and the, the main number is this 800 milligrams per deciliter and if they have reached that they should have adequate immunity until they start building up their own immune system. If anyone is concerned about the test, the test might artificially read a little lower mm -hmm. but that's okay right because yeah. we can treat that yeah better We'd, safe than yeah it's just like your glucose monitor for diabetics it might read a little lower to tell you to eat this is going to err on the side of caution. So maybe one out of 10 foals get plasma that they might not need. Now, we, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, we can measure both ways at, at Ohio State. Um, so sometimes the foals that we test at like five hours, we're going to put on the machine to get a more exact number. Your veterinarians have these, or these snap tests out in the field. And you can run it instantaneously. If you don't have good IgG, what do we need to do? Yeah, so really that foal is only able to absorb IgG through their GI tract for the first 24 hours. And realistically, it's really within that first six to 12 hours of life. So if we're seeing a foal close to that 24 hour mark and it has not reached it, they really have to have plasma transfusions to reach that IgG level. I wanna make two comments here, because if we have people, you can buy IgG like orally, it's bad though right like wouldn't advise it yeah well we should just say it's bad like <laughs> it doesn't really work very well you have to basically yeah. drown the foal in some weird serum product plasma product and we've we've had some foals come in here with aspiration pneumonia from it mm -hmm. and then then they're still sick and now they've been given some crazy igg from tractors i don't know where the hell they get it from yeah and then we have to give them iv 
IgG, and now you have a high risk of transfusion reaction. Yeah, like, yeah. You just, just shouldn't call, do it. Call your vet out. And if your vet <laughs> doesn't have plasma, find a vet that does. Right, yeah. that's fine. Not every vet has plasma, mm-hmm. um, which is okay, but most of most vets. And we we sell it from here too. If a vet, a referring veterinarian didn't have it and wanted to do a transfusion on a foal, they could buy plasma from from OSU. Yeah, exactly. Find a resource. Do not give it orally. Yeah, those the all species colostrum replacement ones. Those are. Yeah, but they even sell like serum in a bottle. Yeah, it's it's sketchy. You can buy it, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Would not do it. Um, at the racetrack, they used to give it like IM to help with bleeding. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I think that's voodoo. I'm not going to do gonna that. Work. No, it's not going to work. It's probably going to make the horse have some horrible immune yeah. reaction. Yeah. They would give it like 30 mils in the muscle. Like, that's guys, guys. Anyways, they did some crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but don't give it to the foal either. Like, anyways, how do we give plasma on the farm? I, I mean. Our interns can do it, so it can't be that hard. Yeah, right? <laughs> so we usually lay them down. Sometimes you can do it standing, depending on the foal and their attitude. But we usually lay them down, place a temporary IV catheter. We have to thaw out our plasma and then do this plasma transfusion. And some foals will need one, two, three liters of plasma, depending on where their IgG level is. Process can take a little bit because we start out slow and make sure they're not going to have a reaction to the plasma, which would be kind of like an allergic reaction. So maybe respiratory changes, hives, sometimes they have some muscle fasciculations. And then once we know they're not having a reaction, we can go faster with the plasma. So we usually say one bag of plasma will get them like two to 300 mm-hmm. decibel like IgGs above yeah. their number one. So yeah, if you're at 200, you're gonna need at least two to three bags. Yeah. Yeah. How depending much? on the size of the foal. The cost is variable depending on the clinic, mm-hmm. um, but the bag itself is probably a fixed. It's what 300 bucks yeah. or something. Yeah. So 300 bucks for the thing. It takes us about an hour. We have transfusion sets, so it's like another 300. So you're mm-hmm. probably looking at close to six to seven hundred dollars for one bag. A second mm-hmm. bag is add another 300 onto that. I think those are pretty comparable to yeah. the rest of the country, I'd assume. But don't skimp on that. Yeah, if you do not have adequate IgG for the foal and do not do a plasma transfusion, they are at risk for many types of infections, um, umbilical infections, joint infections that will in the long run potentially cost you the life of that foal or you will spend many more thousands of dollars trying to fix it. Like just a simple math, how much did you pay to feed that mare for 11 months? Yeah. <laughs> like probably more than $700. Yeah. yeah, don't cheap out that. And they're gonna get septic joints, right? I mean. Yeah, and you know, my opinion, my thought, if you're gonna have a foal and breed a mare, you should have some side to potentially do a plasma transfusion to set that foal up for for success. success. Yeah, I mean, breeding a mare is a privilege, right? Mm-hmm. To have the financial means necessary to take care of the animal because, yeah, you need to set them up for success. Or, I guess, if you're willing to lose a bunch of foals, that's your own, um, I don't know, economic decision yeah. making, <laughs> yeah. which I wouldn't advise, but whatever, people do what they want. IgG, we can give the plasma on the farm, a couple bags, not a big deal. Maybe you start those on antibiotics. Probably yeah. if they don't have it IgG. Depends on how, how old yeah. they are at the time, but a lot of times I'll do some prophylactic antibiotics yeah. for those guys. And I think one of the things that have gone out of practice, when I was an intern back in the day, we gave everything penicillin and genicin to hit the ground, no matter if it was healthy or sick. 
And I think with antimicrobial stewardship, it was not a good decision. I always kind of questioned it as a young intern, but I didn't have much say back in 2007. I think that was not a great idea. What do you think? Really looking at antimicrobial stewardship with a full, I would probably stick it on antibiotics sooner than any other type of horse that I'm seeing, but not if they're healthy and have a good IgG. Yeah. So if there's a risk, I don't risk it and put them on it, but if they have met all of those parameters, then I think they're okay without it. Yeah, if they have an umbilical infection or some other infection, of course, mm -hmm. they're going to go on pretty heavy-duty antibiotics because mm -hmm. their immune system is so young and mm -hmm. they really don't need have IgG. They don't have mm -hmm. any like cellular immediate immunity at this point. Some issues we can see in the foal had one, an umbilical infection, mm -hmm. right? So that's another thing. Clients should dip the umbilicus, right? Mm -hmm. And we had a client who, for whatever reason, switched her protocol and ran into some issues. Mm -hmm. So what what should they be using? What's the best thing to use? So the what we use here in the hospital, what we recommend is a dilute chlorhexidine um, that is fairly easy on the tissue and doesn't kind of dry it out too much or leave it too moist. And so for the first three days of, of life, they should really have their umbilicus dipped, you know, two to three times per day. You don't want to keep doing that because sometimes that can create a really moist environment and then set up shop for, for bacteria to kind of come in there. For the first two to three days, you want to use that. In lieu of chlorhexidine, the next best thing is going to be a really dilute betadine solution as well. And both of those products can be just purchased at CVS, Walgreens, anywhere. Um, those are going to be the best options for umbilical dips. Yeah, and I've seen the betadine not get diluted, and they basically scurf the horse. Yeah, like they, really kind of, they blister the horse, basically. And you see little patches of hair mm -hmm. fall off. And mm -hmm. I think that betadine was too strong. Yeah, and they're going to set up shot for infection. So dilute chlorhexidine, and then there's these bunch of and this a bunch of products that say they're navel dips, but they're not. Yeah, marketed. they might not have the best product within them to. Um, set that full up for success. So they might be labeled as that, but really you don't need anything labeled for it as long as it's yeah. a diluted chlorhexidine or really diluted betadine solution. Those two are going to be just fine. I have them put it on sometimes a 4x4 four four and just mm -hmm. kind of like soak it around yeah. it. Or sometimes if you can have like even like a shallow little cup or yeah. dish and just kind of poke it up there. However it works to get it on there. But, yeah, one of those little like um, paper water cups. Yeah, from yeah a, like a Dixie cup or yeah, something Dixie would cup work. from a bubbler. I was going to say too with these with these foals is so the umbilicus, right, so why is it so important? There's some very important structures in there. So there's umbilical artery that's left over and the umbilical veins. Mm -hmm. So wh where do they become? Like why? Yeah, so we've got a couple things. So the umbilical vein, it goes all the way up to the liver and becomes kind of this falciform ligament, round ligament of the liver. And then we've got two arteries that head back towards the bladder and those become the round ligaments of the bladder. And all of those structures are at risk of getting an infection or getting an abscess within them as they kind of track up that umbilicus. Yeah, so the bacteria is basically a highway for them. Mm -hmm. They jump on it and go. And head to different organs. Yeah. Um, so it can Major organs. Make them systemically septic as yeah. well. Yeah, so this basically the a really it's, I mean, that's how the, the baby kind of like pees into its cal, cal mm -hmm. it's allantoas, right? Yeah. But like, once you have it, oh, like, yeah, it's, it's an open world. 
to mm-hmm. the to the outside world and they're going to get sick quickly. The ruptured bladder, so I've seen that in some foals. How, how do they normally get that? Yeah, the most the most common time that a foal's going to have a ruptured bladder is maybe during a dystocia. So okay. there was some sort of event during that foaling that was traumatic and maybe caused that bladder to rupture. The other times are going to be if this foal is sick and septic, sometimes they can get an area on their bladder that is kind of necrotic and septic and that will no matter what you do or try to prevent it it might just kind of rupture and those foals are gonna look kind of dumpy maybe frequently try to urinate Um, they might have kind of a, a bloated appearance as their abdomen fills up with urine and that is a medical and then surgical emergency too because of the dystocia, you want to make sure that they don't have like anything else broken, yeah. like a broken pelvis or something. Broken like, pelvis, broken yeah. ribs. Yeah, you got to check all that before you go to surgery mm-hmm. to fix the and fix the bladder. Mm-hmm. We talk about septicemia a lot. That's a clinical thing that we say. What would the clients kind of see? Yeah, like, so a, a septic foal, those patients look pretty sick so and it can happen really really fast so in the morning the foal might look just fine and then as the day goes on maybe it's not getting up to nurses readily or after a little while you can't even you know encourage it to get up and nurse it might feel cold so the distal extremities might feel cold or if you look at the mucous membranes they might be kind of a a dark pink or dark red or even starting to kind of switch over to like a purpley blue color and these animals are heading into shock basically yeah so they have and they got there because they have bacteria in their bloodstream and then their immune system is trying to do whatever it can and that leads to their sepsis mm-hmm. okay they need to come to the hospital those foals cannot be treated on the farm they can be maybe resuscitated and prepared for a trailer ride mm-hmm. but they cannot successfully be treated on the farm yeah so i'm gonna probably if i see those foals i put a catheter in give them some iv fluids plus or minus antibiotics mm-hmm. depending i'd like to get a blood culture so pull mm-hmm. some blood for that and then away they go send them in send them <laughs> in and then what do you guys do when you get them in the hospital so when they get here they will get laid on a, a full bed have a permanent a more permanent iv catheter placed and while we're doing that workup they'll be getting some iv fluids with maybe some dextrose because a lot of their blood glucoses have dropped below the even detectable limit on our readers. They'll get IV fluids with dextrose. They will get a full physical exam and ultrasound exam. They might have flow by oxygen started. Um, They will have their blood pressure taken and potentially started on medications to bring their blood pressure up. It's really a pretty intensive care situation once they get into the hospital. What's your favorite presser to use in a full? usually start with dobutamine and then if that doesn't work then adding in norepinephrine to that yeah i feel like dobutamine is a little safer right so yeah i usually start with that and then add the pumps from yeah. there if you're getting nori you're probably pretty sick <laughs> yeah if you're on multiple pressers it's yeah. not the best you might not make it out of the hospital um, but we can do it and we can yeah. try those those bills are fairly expensive too well yeah like twenty thousand. maybe not that much okay. but like Seven to ten. Seven to ten thousand. And that, maybe more. But and that's in the Midwest. Yeah. On the East yeah. Coast, maybe twenty. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they need to come to the hospital because we can't. I'm not running. Not using presses on the farm. I don't yeah. even have a way to take blood pressure on the yeah. farm. So these are all intensive care things. I guess we can talk about two other. Well, there's so many things with foals. We might need a part two. But do you want to just talk about 
the meconium impactions that's on the client needs to yeah. can do on the farm itself right yeah so meconium that's that first feces that the foal passes a lot of times they come out start nursing the milk kind of acts as a laxative and they start to pass their meconium within the first three four or five hours um, a lot of times they don't pass it all at once they'll do a couple a couple different um, little fecal balls that you'll see this darker darker feces but if they are continuously trying to defecate and strain or continuously tail flagging um, laying down and rolling over and having some colicky behaviors then those are signs that they might have a myconium impaction yeah the clients we don't we recommend never to use some different types of the fleet enemas right yeah you know one fleet enema is probably going to be okay if you use more than one or you don't know if that foal is systemically healthy and has normal electrolytes from the get-go they have a lot of sodium and phosphorus in them and that can lead to some pretty serious electrolyte derangements in these foals so they if the foal becomes hypernatremic what happens they can start to show some neurologic signs yeah the little brain yeah. uses all its fluid <laughs> yeah. right yeah <laughs> so and it's not the best. Yeah, that's uh, that happens to runners, right? They get hypernatremic because yeah. they sweat too much. Yeah. And they're purely wigglies. They need yeah. all the salt. Don't give the fleet enema. What should they give instead? We just give a what's called a soapy water enema. So we use a very soft, what's called red rubber catheter, lube the end of the red rubber catheter and place that just about like an inch or two into the rectum and then pour in literally warm water with a little bit of like ivory dish soap that's really good on sensitive tissues and that should moisten up the myconium as long as it's in the the rectum uh, to go ahead and pass and it's safe to give you know one or two of those a day and help them pass if that doesn't work then what we can do when we come out to the farm is do a more advanced enema called an acetylcysteine retention enema and that will break down that hard myconium a little bit better, but that does need to be done by your veterinarian. That knows what they're doing. Yeah. Because I'm not doing it. <laughs> you can do it. Because you have to anesthetize the foal, which They have is, to lay there for 30 yeah. minutes. So, okay. so this foal's going to get a little drugs. <laughs> so, yeah. And then you have to put a foley, uh, like a, and a tracheal tube in them, right? Yeah, a little foley catheter, yeah. and then you mix up this acetylcysteine suspension have that go in by gravity and you let it sit there for 30 minutes and mm -hmm. then deflate the foley and hopefully you get an explosion of myconium yeah. after that. Yeah, because acetylcysteine breaks down those muco mm -hmm. bonds, right? Because they use acetylcysteine in humans with cystic fibrosis mm -hmm. to break up their fluid in their lungs. And they use acetylcysteine orally for acetaminophen toxicity. Hmm. It's the number one treatment in the dog and the human um, and I think acetaminophen toxicity is like the second leading cause of liver failure in humans. You know, we've gone for pretty long. We're going to take a break here. Part two will be in a week or two when we uh, can reconvene. Uh, Dr. Timko is in the middle of writing a textbook about foals and foal birth. So she is our, our knowledge tree right now. So we're going to keep using her for part two. Um, if you guys have any questions, please write in, send us an email or uh, Doc Yardley on Facebook. Uh, we can try to answer those questions uh, live, especially about foals or mares. Um, we did get a question from a, uh, a listener about our horse with EPM. We did see that email. If you're listening, we will answer that in a follow-up podcast. 
Um, but we just want it to go with foals right now for some timeliness since it is still foaling season. And thank you guys for listening. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share with your friends.